Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now here's today's message. Uh, all right, Romans chapter 8. Are you there? Verses 26 through 39. I, I want to talk to you this morning about what it looks like to, uh, to get across the finish line. What does it look like to get across the finish line? And, and I, these verses, I believe, speak to that. So let's just read the scripture, read the word of the Lord together. It says this. Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So what shall we say about such a wonderful thing as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we receive your, your word today. Lord, we, we receive this um, in the midst of our own trials, 
We receive this word in the midst of our own struggles, our own questioning, our own doubts, our own cynicism. We receive this truth in this word that nothing separates us from your love. And I pray this morning, God, that you would speak, that you would reshape our minds, our thinking, our hearts to receive, our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I have, over the last three years, I think now it's been, um, become obsessed with the Tour de France. Does anyone else accidentally watch the Tour de France? No one accidentally watches the Tour de France. It's just on, and then you're like, oh, I'm not really going to watch this. And then, or you're curious. I'm probably, I, I was prepared for this, for no one to be interested in what I'm about to say. But you're going to hear it anyway, because I've got the microphone. Um, so the Tour de France, it just finished uh, this past Sunday. It is a three-week uh, race, pro- professional cycling, all around France. Ha, huh, Surprise. It's all around France. And, and it is a grueling, it's the most prestigious race in professional cycling. Uh, there is, so it's, it's three weeks. They have two or three rest days. They race for a total of 21 days. And they race on average about 100 miles a day on uh, their, their bicycles. And the, the speed at which they move is insane. I've told you, I... I, I we have an exercise bike in our basement. We'll ride that, my wife and I. And, and um, it tells us how many, like, watts of power we're putting out. And I think, like, maybe we put out, like, on a good day, like, 100 watts, 150 watts. They're, like, normal cadence. They're putting out, like, 400 watts of, of power just flying. Fly. So they're going fast. They're doing these 100 miles in, like, three, four hours on these bikes. They're, it's incredible, the athleticism, what they can do. So the exertion level over 21 stages is brutal. And by the way, it's not flat. They, they are, there are climbs, and the climbs are categorized. So there's a, a fourth category climb, which is the easiest. It's pretty hard. <laughs> the, the, the steepness of them, depending on how steep they are. There's a third category climb, a second category climb. There's a first category climb. But then they have a category called beyond category, because it's just too hard to categorize. And, and it's on these climbs that usually the Tour de France is decided. The, the leader, they, they accumulate their time over each stage of the race. And whoever has the best time overall is wearing the yellow jersey. And the yellow jersey is the person who's identified by everyone else as the leader of the race. So you got to make sure if you want to get the yellow ver- uh, jersey and have the best time overall of all the stages, you got to get ahead of the yellow jersey. And, and this year, in the past couple years, it's been fought out by a, a Slovenian by the name of Tade Pagacha and a, and a uh, Danish rider by the name of Jonas Vingegaard. Uh, and uh, I probably butchered their names, uh, but they, they were the two top favorites, and, and they were neck and neck. This is one of the best Tour de France's this year in, in recent history. There was about eight seconds that separated them going into stage like 19. So we're nearing the end. It's pretty epic. There's nothing between them, and then what they call the queen stage of the Tour. It's the one that's going to have the most brutal climbs of all of the mountain stages, and they're in 
in the Alps in France, climbing. And there's a moment going over the hardest climb on the hardest stage where Jonas Vingegaard just takes off. I mean, when I mean take off, it's, it's steep. Like, my legs hurt watching this. And, and, and he takes off, and Tade Pagach is right on his wheel, and they start going, and then all of a sudden, a gap increases and increases, and, and, and Pagacha can't go with Vingegaard this time. He's too exhausted. It's been too many days of tiredness in the legs, and he's got nothing left. And one of the things about this year's Tour de France that was new is you were hearing the team radio messages. They've all got radios on, and they're working in teams to try and get their best rider in a good position. And this was the first year that they had team radio messages. And right after you see that happen, team radio comes on as you're watching it, and it's Tade Pagacha talking into his microphone calling back to his team car saying, I can't go with him, I've got nothing left. And it's this moment that ends up deciding this year's Tour de France. Ultimately, Vingegaard put about seven and a half minutes in increase of the lead after that. It was insane. Yeah, you all wanna watch it next year, don't you? I know, see? Uh, and, and, and so it was just an insane moment. And the race was finally decided. Jonas Vingegaard wins his second Tour de France in a row. It's a pretty amazing accomplishment. But as I was thinking about it and watching it, I was thinking in this radio messages now in the cycling world become famous in the last week and a half. I've got nothing left. I can't go with him. And I was just thinking about those words as I was reading this passage and thinking about how our Christian life, as it's often referred to as a journey, as a race. Paul writes in other uh, of his letters to churches that this is a race that we need to finish well. And I wonder how many times maybe you feel like Tade Pagacha, where you are running the race following Jesus and you just want to yell and scream scream into your team radio to God and say, I can't go with him. I've got nothing left. You know what I'm talking about? That like, I can't, I'm done. I, this is too steep. It's too hard. There's a variety of reasons we want to cry out and say that, right? This is, it's just too hard to be faithful right now. I, I just want to lash out at this person. I'm just done and tired and weary. I don't know what to do in this situation. It's too hard and confusing. I've just got nothing left. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not seeing the results I thought I'd see. I'm not seeing the fruit I thought I'd see. Whatever the reason, I can't go on. I've got nothing left. Sometimes we feel like it's too hard to follow Jesus in a world that has a lot of other appealing options. Sometimes it's just hard to be like Jesus in some of our relationships that we have with people. Sometimes it's, it's hard to see past the difficult season or the difficult moment that we're in. Whatever that steep hill is you're climbing, it's just hard and you feel like you've got nothing left. But I love coming to the place where I've got nothing left. And this is what Romans 26 through 39 is all about. If you're feeling that today, if you're feeling weak, if you're feeling like, I don't know if I can get across the line, I don't know if I can go with this move because I've got nothing left, 
Here's the good news for today that Paul writes to us about in Romans. If you don't think you've got anything left, God is the one that's gonna get you over the finish line. God is gonna get you over the finish line. I love what he writes here. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He is not leaving you out on that road to pedal to exhaustion, to run and fall flat on your face and not finish. God is with you in your weakness. Let's get a little bit of context into what Paul's writing about. He, he says here in chapter eight, he's writing to a church in Rome. He's writing to a church in Rome that is uh, at the center of imperial power. If there was a place where it was a bad idea to follow Jesus, it was Rome. It was Rome. This was a place that was so far from the life and the practices of Jesus in terms of what success meant, what it looked like to get ahead, what it looked like to, to be victorious. And, and you're sitting here going, I don't know if I can do this. This is hard. It's hard to follow Jesus in this place. And Paul wants to encourage them. He's talking to them about how even though they're experiencing suffering and even though suffering and even though Paul has experienced suffering and, and persecution and, and troubles, uh, it's, it's okay. He says earlier in this passage, I, I consider that our present momentary troubles are incomparable to the glory that's about to be revealed in us. And, and Paul is what he's doing is he's looking ahead to Jesus's return. He's looking ahead to new creation. He's looking to the day that your and I bodies are resurrected as new creation bodies, redeemed, set free. The momentary troubles that we experience are gone and there's something new. And he's like, man, these momentary troubles, don't worry. The suffering you're experiencing, don't worry. Look what's coming. Look what God's gonna do. And we read it and we go, well, that's great, Paul, but I'm still here and I've still gotta walk through this. It's not helping me right now. I know, I'm trying to look ahead. What do I do in the meantime? You ever feel that? And so Paul shifts gears and he says in verse 26, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. He helps us in our weakness. Paul gives these two examples, these two encouragements that when you're facing suffering, when you feel like you've got nothing left in the tank, where you can't go, where you can't move forward, where you, you can't be faithful anymore, where you're just overwhelmed, when you're like, this is not going to happen, he comes and says, God is going to get you over the finish line for two reasons. First, because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. And second, he says, because Jesus is praying for you. And just for a few minutes, I wanna offer you some encouragement from those two truths that Paul lays out in Romans 8. First, God is going to get you over the finish line because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. Verses 26 and 27. Have you ever considered this, this truth? 
that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And Paul says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Have you ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit prays for you. He's praying not for you in the sense of like, oh, I'm gonna talk to God for you. He's praying for you in the sense that he's praying through you. It says, for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. Sometimes a prayer, when you don't have the word, sounds like this. <sighs> you ever pray like that? You ever pray with groans and sighs? That's what it is. We, we can include, sure, some people have used this to, to include things like speaking in other tongues, and that's appropriate too. But man, sometimes you don't even have that. You're just kind of like, ah, uh, uh. You ever pray like that? You ever been desperate enough to pray that way? That is the Holy Spirit praying through you. That is the moment the Holy Spirit prays through you. And this is amazing. It says that this is being done in agreement, in harmony is the word used here, with God's will. The Holy Spirit is praying through your groans, through the sighs, through the I don't know what even to say right now, God, so I'm just going to groan a little bit. The things that are too deep for words, the dreams, the desires, the, the struggles and the conflict that you, you don't even know what's appropriate to pray, it just comes out like, uh, it comes out in the groans. It comes out in the, in the what, what the... Uh, the church, uh, the old time saints would call travailing prayer, where you just travail, you're almost in anguish, just like, God, I don't have anything. God, it might just even be saying Jesus. You don't even know what's going on. And there's a prayer, and it, it says that the Father knows what the Spirit's saying through that. So in your weakest, most vulnerable moments, the exhausted, overwhelming moments, whether it's with kids or in a workplace or a relationship situation or a challenge you're facing, and you're like, ah, the Spirit is praying through you in a way you don't even know how to pray. Now, this is challenging because... Often, I find that I'm too busy to even come to the place where I'm settled enough to groan. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I, I am so worked up and so busy and trying to fire through my things I have to do that I don't settle down and slow down enough to realize where and how I am irritable. You ever sit down for long enough and slow down for long enough and you start to get a little irritable? or annoyed with everything. I, I talk about stillness and silence with God all the time, and it's so important that if we're going to be able to partner with the Holy Spirit praying through us, we need to learn how to slow down and be still enough to let all of our annoyances, our discomfort, our irritability rise to the surface and then go, why does this bother me so much? 
And then we can get at the real stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm really sad or disappointed about something. I'm grieving this loss. Oh, I'm really scared about this or I'm fearful about that. Oh, this, is, this has really got me doubting. And, and when we can sit long enough to get at those things, I find so often when I'm still that, that I begin to have this almost groan, this, when I uncover the thing, the real thing, underneath my rushing around, I go, Ugh. and it's the spirit beginning to pray into that on my behalf because I don't know what to do with it. You don't know what to do with it. We don't know what to do with it. And the longer you can sit there and be in that moment, the deep things that God has put in your heart, the spirit begins to pray through you on your behalf. And God's like, I hear you. I hear you, I'm with you. Take this a little bit further. This is also something not just for us, but we might just have a pain in our heart, a groaning prayer from the Spirit for other people or for situations around us. I love the story of William Booth who founded the Salvation Army. Early in the 1900s, they were part of a phenomenal move of God, primarily in England and, and around the world. And one particular Salvation Army station, I believe it was in the city of Leeds in, in England, it was very, very poor manufacturing. And it was really, really hard to work for Jesus there. And there were these two women, Kate and Mary Jackson, and they wrote after years of toiling and labor, they wrote to William Booth and they sent him a telegram and they said, will you please reassign us? There is no fruit here. God's not doing anything. We've been at it for years and nothing's happening. And they got back, this would have annoyed me so much. They got back a two word telegram from William Booth, and it just said this, try tears. Ooh. What he meant by that, of course, was that there was a kind of prayer that Kate and Mary Jackson needed to have for the city that they had not entered into yet. There was an openness to the groanings of the spirit, that travailing prayer where you don't even really know what's going on, but the spirit's praying through you that they had not opened themselves up to yet. And they began to pray differently. And as they prayed and prayed and grieved with a compassion, the compassion of Jesus over the city, suddenly they began to see things happen. And this different kind of prayer opened them their own eyes to see what God was already doing. And suddenly, a revival broke out in the city of Leeds. It was incredible. But it came through a kind of prayer that wasn't their own words, their own prayerless. It was participating in the groaning prayer of the Spirit through them. There is a prayer that the Holy Spirit is praying right now through each of you that follow Jesus. A prayer right now over desperate situations in your life. A prayer over discernment about your future and decisions you need to make. A prayers about what God's calling you to. A prayers about how to handle relationships in your family. Prayers about how to have wisdom raising your children. 
There are prayers the Holy Spirit is praying through you that are too deep for words. And the question is, will you partner with the groanings of the Spirit that he is already praying in and through you? God is going to get you over the finish line because the Holy Spirit is praying through you. And then secondly, very briefly, not only is the Holy Spirit praying through you, but Jesus is praying for you. Verse 34, this is amazing to me. Who then will condemn us, he asks? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us, was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Pleading for us, pleading for you. In the midst of the challenges that you face, Paul says this, you are not condemned. You are not condemned. You may have things now, just to put this in proper context, you may have things that you have been convicted about, but conviction is about calling out the old way and calling you into the new and you're empowered to change because of Jesus. But Paul says, you're not condemned. Absolutely not. Because when you're condemned, you're stuck that way. That's set in stone. You can't change. There you are. You're condemned. That's how you are. And so Paul says, man, you're not condemned. And it's because of Jesus. He died for us, he says. He, raised, he was raised to life for us. And now he is seated right next to God, right at this moment as I'm talking. He is seated right next to God. And guess what he's doing as he's sitting next to God? He is pleading for you. That the, the Greek word is actually interceding. He is praying, interceding before God the Father for you right now. Just think about that for a second. The same Jesus you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's shining like bronze in the book of Revelation, is right now praying for you directly into the ear of God the Father. He's sitting in his right hand. Father, I want to I wanna tell you about one of my younger siblings. They're going through a lot right now. God, here's what you need to do. Here's how I'm contending for them. Can you imagine? Those are good prayers if it's Jesus. You ever, you ever feel like, um, man, I want that person to pray for me. I wish I, I could know that that person's praying for me. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, is this just me? No, I'm the only person. No, anyone else? You're like, it would be amazing if I knew that really righteous, like solid person was praying for me. You do have that person praying for you right now. I, I, I wanna just, I need, this is, this is so important. We have to get how this is. Jersey, you're standing up. Can I borrow you for a minute? This is so important. We need to illustrate this. All right. Here, here is the Greek grammar of this word. Can you do me a favor? Yeah. Okay. Can you just start like walking around the room? Sure. Thank you. Just walk. Saunter. Sunday stroll. Okay. Now I'm going to make a statement and I want you to tell me how true this is. Okay. Jersey is walking around the room. How true though? Like, is it like a theoretical thing? Did it happen once? 
It's, it's, yeah, he's, he's still going, right? It happened, but is it still happening? It's still going on right now, right? And, and like, it's a concrete reality. It's, it's right here. This is fact. This isn't like kind of hazy fuzzy, right? Thank you, Jersey. You can stop. So, so the, the Greek grammar is, gets really, really specific. It can be really, really specific. And the Greek grammar used to describe Jesus as the verb interceding, right? The Greek grammar to describe that is present active indicative. Here's what that means. First, here's what the present active indicative means in the Greek. It means that it is a concrete fact. Jersey is walking around the room. It, it, is, it is, this table is right here. Not like there could be a table on the stage. That's like theoretical. That changes the grammar a little bit. You following me? Jersey is walking around the room, present, active, indicative. But here's the other side of that. Not only is it a concrete fact, it's a present reality. Now, we're not saying Jersey is walking around the room. But if Jersey walked around the room and didn't stop for the rest of eternity, we could say always in the present, active, indicative, Jersey is walking around the room. Well, guess what? In the present, active, indicative, it says Jesus is interceding for you. He didn't stop yet. Nope, he's still going. He's still going now. See, you, you can't get condemned. You can't be kept from crossing the finish line when the Lord of the universe is literally praying into the Father's ear on your behalf. So that's why Paul immediately after this says, can anything separate us from Christ's love? It's, this is impossible now because it's concrete fact. The Spirit's praying through you, yes, but Jesus is praying for you right now. So, so just put this picture in your mind for a minute. God the Father, through Jesus, sends the Holy Spirit to live in everyone who says yes to following Jesus. Not only is he in you, but the spirit is praying through you in ways you and I could never figure out and understand. I, like prayers that you don't even know to pray. The Holy Spirit's like, don't worry, I got it. I'm praying that for you. And not only is he praying these prayers, you'd never have a clue to pray. I'd never have a clue to pray. It's in agreement with the Father's will. So the Father is hearing all this because he can interpret the size and the groaning and the, uh, he knows what that means. I don't know what that means. He knows what that means. And the Father's like, yep, yep, I agree. I'm, a, I'm in total agreement. I'll answer that. Yep, I'm answering that too. Yep, I'm answering that too. You have no clue what's going on. And the Spirit's like, here's what they need. Here's what they actually need. And the Father's just like, yep, yep, green light, green light, green light all over it. But then, not only is that happening, at the same time, Jesus is right next to the Father, and he's also praying for you. Someone else has got to be excited about this besides me. I'm like, this, this was blowing my mind. He's also right there going, Dad, I have to talk to you about something. It's really important. And the father's just, yep, green light. Yes, 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 
Absolutely. I'm answering that now. I'm sending help for that now. I'm doing that now. Things you have no clue about. You and I will never even know we needed an answered prayer for. And then things that are just too deep for words and understanding. Jesus is saying all that, doing all that. So there's the Father and the Spirit and the Son praying through you for you with the Father's agreement and everything's coming up, yes. I'm in that. I'm answering that. I'm in the midst of that. I'm working on that. I'm, in the, I'm doing that. It's done. Yes. The entirety of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is involved in a prayer strategy to get you over the finish line. So then Paul simply just asks the question again, is there anything that can separate us from Christ's love at this point? Can trouble or calamity No? How about persecution? What about hunger? What about having no money? What about not having enough money or what you think is enough money? Can that separate you? What about danger? What about if you're threatened with death? I mean, we got a long list here. Okay. So how about this then? Because then he goes on and says, I'm convinced nothing can separate us from God's love. Okay, how about death? Can life, angels, demons? What about fear? You have fear. Do we all have fears about today? Can that separate you from what God's doing? Okay, what about tomorrow? Fear about tomorrow. That's even worse. What's coming or what I don't know about? None of that? Powers of hell. Nothing in the sky above, the earth below, nothing in all of God's created order could ever separate you from his love. There is nothing that you are in the midst of or will ever be in the midst of that can keep you from crossing the finish line. This is how much God is, in your, is on your side, in your corner, has his best intentions for you. So when you're about to yell into that radio and say, I got nothing left. I can't go. Could it instead be an opportunity to embrace the weakness? Could it be an opportunity to celebrate that when we are weak, he is strong? And could it be a moment to partner with God in prayer like you never have before. So very simple in conclusion. The question for you and I is this. Are you ready to partner with God's prayer through and for you? Do you want to partner with the prayers that God is already praying through you and for you? Are you in? What could that look like? As I've already said, making some space for silence, solitude, let that groaning of the spirit start to surface. Perhaps it means not being afraid of those things that you need to deal with in your life because they're not condemning you, they're convicting you. 
And there's an empowering opportunity to step into something new because Jesus is on your side. He's not trying to hunt you down and find you. He's trying to set you free. There could be other things, other ways that you are ready to partner with God in prayer. But are you ready? And may this just be encouragement for you today in the weariness, in the the moments where it feels like you're not gonna finish well, where it feels like you're overwhelmed. May the God who prays for you, through you, be with you. Amen? Let's pray as we close in worship. Would you stand with me? And we're gonna take communion in just a moment. So um, if you need communion, if you would like to take communion and you did not get uh, communion elements, would you just keep your hand up while we're praying here uh, and our connectors team will come around and, and help you with that. Just keep your hand up nice and high. But let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just want to thank you for the prayers that you have and are praying and will pray on our behalf that we just don't even know happened. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in our corner, that you are our comforter, our, our advocate, that you're, you're standing side by side with us through thick and thin. And Spirit, we we just want to become more aware of your presence as we were singing earlier. And we want to learn how to partner with how you are praying through us. More than ever before. And Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that you are constantly praying for us. Interceding and pleading before the Father on our behalf that when you ascended to heaven, you did not forget about earth. No, you you started to the next phase of your work. And thank you, Jesus, for that incredible grace that you continue to pray for us, intercede for us, no matter what we are facing and experiencing. And Father, We are just so thankful for your grace, for the gift of your son and for the gift of the spirit. Father, we're so thankful for how much you love us, that you did not even spare your son, but sent him to us, gave him to us, and in a sense, still give him to us as he's praying on our behalf. Father, we thank you for the love that we cannot fathom, how wide and deep, how incredible the love of God is. That there's nothing that can separate us. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you, check out our website at theplantchurch.org for more sermons and other resources.